This is the Scratching and Surviving Podcast, where we together will learn what it takes to achieve extraordinary results. And I am your host, Aries Webb Williams. Hey everybody. Well, today I had an interview with someone named Michelle Brigman. She is a woman who I immediately took to when I heard her speaking at an event that I was attending. She is a customer service lover, just like I am, which drew me to her as well as a woman who was also in technology. So I was like, wow, you're in technology. You're being valued in your customer service space and in technology, which I just totally appreciated and didn't even know that her position even existed. And you'll find out during the interview that she basically created that title, but it did open a door to other areas, which I did not know about as far as customer service was concerned in the IT world. So meeting her was great. She allowed me to call her once a month, (laughs) almost to just talk about different things, ask a lot of questions and We've been cool ever since. I really, I reached out to her to be a speaker for me because I do lead programs in education for the DFW ATW organization. And when I needed a speaker for something, I called her. She immediately said yes. And like, she's just awesome. She's really good at motivating people. And I love this conversation. So I want to share some of her story with you all just so that you can understand that, you know, everyone that you see out front you don't know what their story is and it just is so intriguing to me to hear how someone's path was just different from everyone else's or unique in its own way so please take a listen and enjoy the conversation I had with Michelle Brickman you know when I met you at the city event the joint event with ATW and Mm -hmm. city and I think Geek Meek was at last year's event as well So me being a person who is in technology, but not a technologist, I always was feel like I was trying to find my place in technology because I made a decision earlier in my career that I was going to go the business side instead of the technical side. Like I I started out at the at the technical level doing technical support and all that working at Cisco I had to make a decision. I I came in as an IT analyst and then transitioned into a business analyst role, which led into project management. So I kind of quickly had to decide, okay, are you trying to be an engineer? Are you trying to, you know, what what exactly are you trying to do? People all used to say, are you sure you're in IT? (laughs) When I would meet them like at different events or ERG events and, and different things. And if I had to do a presentation or something like that, our salespeople would be like, you need to be in sales. Like, why are you not in sales? Why are you in IT? Because I love technology and I actually love being around it. I love, you know, everything about it. But I still was like, what does this really look like as a future of my career? Knowing that true to the heart, I am a customer service person. Like I, that's really where my passion has been over the years. So never really knew what that was going to look like. I got a role right after that. Cisco job that helped me, you know, utilize my operation skills and, and all that and teaching people customer service and quality and all that. But I still never really knew what does that role look like? What is the name of that role? Like all of that. So when I went to the city event and you were there, I was like, yes, (laughs) she is doing exactly, you know, this is letting me know that there is a place for someone like me who loves customer service also is in technology so I was super just intrigued by everything that you're talking and I'm like this is real like it's a real person that's actually doing this job so that's how we met I actually walked up to you I don't think I walked I didn't walk up to you at that event because I actually left a little early I reached out to you via uh, LinkedIn after the event to connect with you and let you know that I you know was you know I read what you were saying was resonating with me Mm-hmm. And that's all she wrote from there. We've been talking ever since. Absolutely. You know what I remember the first time I met with you is um, just in listening to your story and listening to just some of the challenges you were facing in terms of, you know, do I turn right or do I turn left? And um, it felt like you you were kind of, 
you were kind of limiting yourself and putting yourself in this box and you were trying to figure out why, why do none of these predefined boxes fit? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you were feeling so frustrated. And I, I remember just, I think it was as simple as saying, let go of all of those preconceived notions. Who are you? What do you love? What makes you tick? What brings out your A game and start to pursue the roles that are going to help let that stuff shine. And it was just interesting as we spoke, because it was very obvious that um, I think I I think I told you at the time, right, you're sort of this bridge between technology and the non-technical side, the business side. And you are a natural because you're you're a natural salesperson because you're so passionate about it and you want to help others. That customer service theme comes in. And so being able to find those roles that allow you to connect the sides was exactly your home base. And looking, spending more energy, asking the right questions to say, what are the elements and attributes of this job versus what's the title and what's the department, I think was very, very freeing for you. It was because I was like customer listening and engagement. I had never Mm -hmm. (laughs) heard of that before. And as you started to I got to make that up, I made that up. (laughs) Nice. It was a new job, a new function. And again, it was about creating what it was we were solving for, creating this new capability and why not call it whatever it was. And that seemed to be appropriate. That was perfect because I'm like, I was like, what does that even mean? And as you started talking about the things that you're doing in the role, I'm like, okay. And now I see what you're saying, you know, as far as being able to, it was a new role. It was a new everything you were able to define it yourself. And that's, that's where it's at. Like that's that sweet spot right there when you can define and create your own space. And I think that's actually what attracted me to you, right? So let's go back a little bit and talk about the beginning of your career. And and we can go back as far as you would like, if you want to talk about, you know, I gave you a couple questions, but I usually ask, you know, mm-hmm. what were you doing at the age of 14? That's like a, like a good little milestone that we can just say, like, what mm-hmm. did you think you were going to be when you grew up? And what kind of things were you into at that age? Well, I'll actually take you on a little different version of the journey because I've looked back on what things have prompted the decisions I've made. And it's it's kind of interesting because, you know, you, you feel like everything is very unclear and cloudy. And then hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You look back on it and you go, OK, wait a second. These elements were there all the way. And I just didn't. I didn't recognize them. But when I was a when I was a kid, I dreamed of being a pharmacist. Really? And yes, but it's but Aries, I would have been the worst pharmacist ever because I do not have sh- this great attention to detail and being behind a counter counting pills would have been a horrible fit for me. But what I realized is the reason I wanted that job is I grew up in this little town and um the local pharmacist, him and his wife, you know, ran their own drugstore and I'd go in and he and his wife would be out behind the counter and greeting me and asking me about school and my family and building this relationship and connecting with me. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be that. He just happened to be a pharmacist. I'm sure if he would have been the garbage collector, that would have been my aspiration, but (laughs) I wanted to be, but that's what I associated that job was Here's someone that cares about people, building relationships. I feel great every time I come in and when I leave, they know me, they value me, they care about my family. And that had this incredible influence on why I chose the, the, the my first year of school, why I chose that path originally, only to quickly realize terrible decision. <laughs> <laughs> and when was terrible this? What decision. age was this? I, I just, as long as I could remember, that's what I wanted to do. So definitely junior high, high school, um, that was what I was going to pursue. And when I then went, but it's interesting because then um, my first job, I worked in a daycare center okay. and I was, this was right around, I was 18. I was blessed that I wasn't working um, prior, but uh I was working in a daycare center and I found myself in this situation where I had everything from two years old to 10 years old. And I was responsible for corralling 
this um, during nice. the summer. <laughs> and what, but what I, what I look back and what it was so, it was so hard because how do you get all of these folks doing the same thing? But what I realized is what that taught me is how do you deliver something in a way, present something in a way that you can find the connection for people wherever they are. So in this case, I remember I had an assignment and I was going to talk about Hawaii and the conversation I had with the 10 year old and how we learned about Hawaii looked very different than the three year old. Right. They're coloring pictures, but we all learned about Hawaii. And I think about in business today, that has sort of, that's been sort of one of those lessons that I learned the hard way, sort of earning your stripes in how to connect and motivate, inspire people to do something, but meeting them wherever they are. Yeah, that's perfect because that's exactly what the business world is like today, right? You can't right get, it's not a one size fits all type of thing. You're dealing with individuals that come from different walks of life, different backgrounds, right. different cultures, different parts of the world. And you do need to be able to communicate and hear, you know, with the ear that says, I'm not listening to you from my, my only my perspective. I'm open and I can hear what you're asking for, what your needs are and meet you there. That's, that that's perfect. Especially with that example of working with children. Right. Right. And then I moved into, um, I started working at JCPenney in the cosmetic department and I loved that job because I loved having people come in and I could talk to them. Again, it goes back to this relationship building. What I, what I learned there, I did this for a long time and actually did a lot of freelance work and would travel and do makeovers. But what I realized is most of the time people didn't stop by my counter because they really needed a new lipstick. Right. They stopped by my counter because they were stressed at work. They had problems with their relationship and they just needed someone to listen and connect. And a lot of the same elements I talked about earlier about why I thought I wanted to be a pharmacist, but they were looking for relationship. And you think about in that environment, it was cosmetics. It meant that someone had to trust me enough to let me touch, touch their face, touch them. And it was this very personal um, personal connection that you needed to make very quickly in order to have them say, yes, that's okay. And I absolutely love that job because when they'd leave, if they had a smile, if they felt better, if they came back or they told their friends, that was the biggest compliment I could receive. And I thrived on that. So listening, yeah, just, but just listening and understanding and trying to help someone was so powerful for me. And um, again, not really making all those connections at the time, but that's, that was my sweet spot. Hindsight is so much, it gives you so much clarity once you see the journey, when you're on the other side, you're like, oh, this whole time, that's something that I've, it's just been a natural thing for me. Right. And I just encourage, you know, I always love talking to people. Um, if we're doing a coaching session or a mentoring session, I love going back to these questions because so you just often don't make those connections or see the, the line, the thread that's been through all of these decisions. And especially when someone's at a crossroads where they're trying to figure out, okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Is this my passion? Is this my calling? What should I do next? And if you can go back and trace some of those places that they've stopped and spent some time and what did they really gain and learn and what did they love about it? it begins to, the clouds sort of move out of the way and you begin to get a lot of clarity. And it's, that's, that's always fun too. When you see that kind of aha moment go, you know what? I am pretty good at that. And I do enjoy that. And how do I now use that to inform and guide where I look and what I pursue next? Right. Yeah. Cause I think it, it goes back to figuring out your why and what mm -hmm. your purpose is and all of that. And that's definitely an ex an exercise that we should use to figure out. So what's natural to me? What's something that I'm good at? And tying those, you know, tying it all together, all those experiences together and seeing what does that look like for my, my future, 
right? Because there's a point where you do need to determine what you're going to put your attention into or what kind of roles you're going to pursue as far as, you know, what you want your career to look like or. Right. Well, and if I go back areas, honestly, to, you know, the kind of the original question about where, where, where was I or what would you say to back whenever you were younger self, it would be, you're going to be so much smarter if you will explore and discover and have the courage to try things, try different things, be the one in the driver's seat, you know, don't give the steering wheel to someone else that tells you, here's what you're going to do. Go and explore and be well, you don't have to be the best at it, but at least take a shot to figure out, ah, is this something I'd maybe like to continue learning more about? Or do I hate this? But hey, now I know and I know this isn't a good fit for me. Right. And, um, you know, the earlier you can start that, the better I look at my youngest is 11. I have an 11 year old daughter. And I just I, I tell her all the time, just try it. Let's try it. Who knows? You might love it. You might not. And she's thankfully, she's thankfully interested in doing it. And she, she does, she'll pursue it. And she's found things that I never would have predicted that she is completely fascinated by. And that's where we invest our time. And it's not, I'm not twisting her arm. I'm not trying to get her to do something I wish I would have done when I was her age. Mm-hmm. Living by It's letting her. her. Yeah, it's, yes. And it's, it's so much fun because she loves it and she's thriving. So I wish someone would have told me that. I agree. I think that's, I'm doing the same thing with my boys. I grew up very fearful of things mm-hmm. anything outside of what I knew I was scared of just because you have the unknown and I didn't have anybody to come back and say it was safe right to try these things so I just would not try things and with my sons because I'm at a point where I'm trying to overcome a bunch of different fears just on a really on a physical sense, like I I do a lot of adventurous things when I travel. And for me, that's just because I'm like, I'm scared of that. So I'm going to go do it because I'm scared of it. So I've done parasailing and scuba, not not scuba diving, but snorkeling and other things where I'm like, I would never get in the big old ocean. You know, like I just things that I was afraid of and I don't do that. So when my kids say they want to try something, I don't put my fears on them. Even though I'm probably afraid (laughs) for them to do certain things. I'm like, no, go ahead. Okay. You are you sure that's something you want to do? Yep. Okay. Well, let's go ahead then. You know, my sons told me on um, our last vacation, we went to Jamaica. Um, Marvin, he wanted to go swim with the dolphins. Mm -hmm. So I said, Okay, uh, we can do that. I signed (laughs) us up. LJ was like, I don't want no parts of these dolphins. I was like, well, you're with us. It's okay. You can come with us. And if you don't want to, you can just sit on the side, but you're coming because I didn't want him to lose out on that experience. And, you know, if he was going to really like it. So we went in, got in the water. Marvin is a, he does not have any fear. I don't, well, he has some fear on certain things, but he's very adventurous. So he's ready. Mm -hmm. He's like watching the other people ride. And he's like, I'm ready. I want to go. I'm like, okay. It made me not be fearful because I have to be, you know, brave. Had to be strong for them. (laughs) So I'm sitting here like, oh my God, we are really going to do this. I'm scared, but I'm not letting them see it. And both of them had the time of their life. And then I also got to do it myself, you know? So I'm like, wow, it wasn't as bad as even I thought. It did you feel so proud of yourself after that? Just the fact that you did it. I, I, I'm dealing with this. So your story resonates with me a lot because I have been here in the last couple of years, um, pushing myself out of my comfort zone Mm -hmm. because like you, I grew up afraid, afraid of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, like knowing you, right. You're, you're very confident, this very confident woman. And I, I think that I feel the same way. And I know there's a lot, a lot other people like that. And um, I think that if we would be more transparent about the fact that we're terrified, but we're doing it anyway, mm-hmm. I think it would resonate with a lot of people because um, I think we always feel like we have to act like we have it all together. Yes. And I don't, I'm just trying to figure it out today. I just want to be better today. And um, I think that people, they sort of look at you and they think, I want to be like that, but they assume that it's this bright, wonderful package wrapped up in a bow. And you're always, we're just always trying to overcome all of these things. And I don't think it'll ever be, ever be perfect, but just 
keep going, just keep going and keep trying and keep being curious because you will be so amazed at what you're capable of. It's a journey, you know, and that's really why what sparked me to do this show, because I feel like people will look at me and think, you know, just what you just said. I mean, Mm -hmm. and I was finding that happening a lot. And I'm like, you have no clue. Like I, Mm -hmm. I have been through things that people would be over here just probably Mm -hmm. in tears themselves hearing all the stories. You have no idea the things that I've had to overcome just to be where I am right now, which I still feel like, okay, I got a lot more to go. I'm just at a a certain point right now that people are seeing that part of it. But there's other people who've seen Mm -hmm. the beginning, you know, and they can rejoice with me as I go forth on the journey, you know, my parents and, and other people like in my family and all that. But I really do want people to understand that none of this stuff comes easy. You have to, you're going to have to overcome those fears and step out of, you don't grow in comfort at all. So uncomfortability, it's horrible. (laughs) I don't like the feeling. (laughs) It's just, it's so much anxiety and you don't know what's going to happen. But I do believe like my faith in God really is what kind of keeps me in focus because I'm like, his plan is already drawn out for me. I know that he, you know, but I do have to still put my work in, right. I still have to be prepared and, and all that. So when an opportunity comes that I'm ready for it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're doing this. I'm glad you uh, had the courage to start this process. It was scary. <laughs> it still is. Cause I'm like, but you're doing it to share a certain part of my life that I never really shared before. So I know it's going to help mm-hmm. someone. I don't care if it's one person. I'm like, Hey, that's, that's enough. Um, and I'm just hoping that people get something positive out of they will. This stuff. So let's let's transition a little bit. So you were working at J.C. Penney, mm-hmm. and how did you ended up? How did you end up leaving J.C. Penney? So I moved to Austin. Just sort of was made a made a change. Moved to Austin, and um, I actually transferred with Penney's while I was there. But then I quickly got a job for a beauty supply company, and I started um, going to different salons to sell them everything from shampoo bowls to makeup to hair color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, but then at that particular time, Dell was growing still very small. This was very, very small and, um, sort of on a, a, a random dare, I applied for a job. Now I knew absolutely nothing about a computer. Nobody, we didn't use computers. But I figured if I can sell makeup, I can sell a computer, I guess. I had some friends that were working there. So I ended up interviewing and got a job in their contact center for sales. But I hated it. I hated sitting on that phone with the, hello, this is Michelle. Thank you for choosing Dell, you know, which would always make everyone laugh because it was this cute little room. But um, I loved working at the company. I was there for 16 years. But that job... Um, sitting in a contact center, taking inbound calls, you know, talk about explore and know what you're good at. I, while I was really good at building relationships, I was really good at repeat business. I was really good at at selling margin, but I did not take enough calls and all of the kind of qualified sales metrics, um, they were, I I was a relationship person. I wasn't transactional. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was just about to walk out the door and, um, someone reached out to me and said, cause I was pretty vocal about this just isn't a good fit. And, um, someone else reached out to me and said, well, I'd love for you to come work in operations. Would you consider that? And I was terrified because I didn't, it was starting to, you know, can you do analytics and use Excel? Well, the answer was no, I hadn't done that, but I said, yes, anyway, I went on faith and I, um, I took a different job and that was probably, that was one of those pivot points because Mm -hmm. the, the manager that I worked for at that point, um, his name was Rick. And he has probably been one of the most influential, if not the most influential manager I've ever had, because he just kept kind of throwing things at me and I'd figure it out. He'd throw some other challenge at me. I'd figure it out. And then one day he said to me, he said, do you fail at anything? And I I looked at him and I'm like, what? I feel like I fail at a million things. I could make a list. He goes, no, 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 no. Michelle, everything I give you, you kind of figure it out. He goes, I'm just curious, where's the limit? 
And he goes, you have so much potential. And I went, well, I just keep asking people for help. I don't, I don't know how to do this, but there's somebody that does. Yeah. I'm restart. I'm going to ask for help. And, um, he, he just said, he just, he kind of just took me under his wing and really spent a lot of time investing and helping me, frankly, to just have the courage to try some new things, tackle the big project and the projects and the complexity kind of kept growing and growing. And then, um, helped me to make some decisions to invest in some additional training, like to learn my Six Sigma, um, get that certification. And it was just sort of through that whole belief from someone else, because I didn't have it in Mm -hmm. myself, um, that opened up a whole lot of new doors. And again, learning, Hey, I'm kind of good at this process engineering stuff and, Oh, I'm really good with the customer service and, um, building relationships. What happens if I pull all of these things together then what? And it was, wasn't was long after that that I um, began just started having ideas about different ways we could run the business or new areas of, um, you know, we could develop a new function or a new department or a new capability. And having the trust and support of someone that said, all right, we'll go try it and let's see what happens. And I found that that was that's my spot. That's my space. Let me go play with an idea. Let me go create it and build it. Once it begins to flourish or run, hand it over to somebody else and go do the next thing. And that's when I'm happiest. And that's where I can have the best impact on a business. And I think it's so critical to have a person that it's to have a person that actually believes in you and gives you the space to to find all those things. Right. Like if you had a manager that was like, nope, do this, do that, stay in this box. Here's where we're going to have you and you and they don't care about your growth. It will stunt you. I've had that before where you're like, OK, like I got to <laughs> this is all on me and no one's, you know, helping here. But I've also had managers that were allowing me to have that free reign to figure all this stuff out at the same time, you know, while doing my current job. So right. I, I definitely think well- you need those people. And let me ask you this, Aries, in your experience, when you had those managers and leaders that gave you space, did they benefit from it? Yes. Every time. That's Every what I think is fascinating. That's what I think is fascinating. So you have the some leaders or managers that are, you know, they want to control everything. And if they would just get out of the way and help to pay, you know, break down barriers be a champion, be an advocate, they in turn will gain so much more than they would have otherwise. There's like no downside. There's never a downside. And I, um, I just, it, it, and it's, I don't know if it's that fear base of, I don't want them to outshine me or I don't, I feel like they're a threat. I've just found if I can, as a leader, if I can help someone really do something amazing, you know what? I benefit from it too. Yeah. They are not a threat to me. The moment I try to hold them back, then that's whenever I should be concerned. It it makes me think about like my parenting, right? And and mm-hmm. if we can use those principles everywhere, we all would be benefiting, right. you know, because it's some things where you see things in your children, right? You see I see in my 7-year-old that he's going to be he's already a great leader. I see it in him. But if I don't rein it in and and put it in the space where he can thrive best, then he's not going to, you know, it, it's it's going to limit him. So I'm like, OK, I, I, I don't uh, helicopter parent my kids. <laughs> I let them. Hey, you're you're old enough. Go ahead in there and, and try it. You go try and see if you can do it, because some parents, they're just for you. holding their hand the whole time and helping them do every little thing. And let me tie your shoes and let me wipe your face and all that. And I'm like, no, you're these are life skills and, and different things that you need to learn on your own so that you can be mm-hmm. a productive citizen. And, and you know, and have um, just learn some skills that will help you later, because, you know, we can see the movie way ahead. Right. From what kind of adult am I trying to raise here? <laughs> and. So it's, it, it, it all kinds of goes together, you know, as far as being a leader and and seeing that in your team as well. Well, and I um, I, I love the, the story with the kids because 
So my son is 19. I realize I was that parent that thought, oh, I need to do everything for them. I, and, and it was funny because when he went off to college, he wasn't ready mm-hmm. with these basic life skills. He was not ready. So here, all of my great intentions backfired and did him a disservice. So we spent a lot of time learning all of those things that he needed to be um, just able to manage his life. You know, he's extremely smart, extremely gifted, super personable. Um, it was just these things on how to just manage and be independent that he was, I had, I, I, I made a bad call. And because my kids, so it's the 11 year old daughter and then he was 19. It's that age gap. Okay. I saw that and I realized I have to be able to do things different with her. So I have done things very, my 11 year old daughter, every day she cooks her own dinner. I don't cook dinner for her. And and it's funny, I said, you know, I asked her because again, this doesn't fit the mold and people would go, oh, you mean you, you don't cook your kids dinner? <laughs> and I, and I talked to her about it. She's like, no, I'd much rather be able to do it myself. She knows how to wash her clothes. She knows she, the other day she was looking to do something for a project and my husband said, why don't you do some research and make some phone calls? And she needed to get a part. So she started calling hardware stores, asking if they carried a certain part. And it was just, I was so proud. Right. I was so proud that she could do this. Right. Because again, I could flash, I could fast forward and go, she will be better equipped. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. I think that when you're like, I was raised where my mom, she was, you know, she had to work or she had to do, you know, we had to figure Mm -hmm. it out. Like, that's just what it was. So at the age that my kids are now, I have they're nine and seven. I was washing clothes. I was cooking. Mm-hmm. I was ironing my clothes for school for the week. Mm-hmm. I was cleaning, you know, had chores around the house, all that. We were catching the bus to school, the public transportation. I knew how right. to, I mean, I was all over the place. And so I have to, you know, my kids aren't necessarily, they're not in the same environment that I was in. So the necessity. You know, it's not a necessity for them to right. have to learn these things, but I'm creating scenarios where they still get the lesson from it, though you're not in the same environment. And I'm seeing the benefits now. I mean, my kids, they're up and ready and dressed with lotion on Love it. at 630 in the morning <laughs> <laughs> because I found out Success. what motivates them. I'm like, OK, you're they want to get, get on their little phones and play on the apps and stuff and. I'm like, don't even think about that phone until all this checklist that I put on their wall for the things that you need to have done. Don't even think about a phone until you've done that. You know, I want to develop men who are independent. They can take care of themselves. They're not waiting for a woman to come in and help them figure their life out. You know, (laughs) they can do their own thing. So, right, right. Good for you. That's like that. That will be the biggest accomplishment as you see them figure it all out. It's awesome. So you had that manager, you know, that, that, that really helped hone in on those skills and allow you that space um, at Dell. And you stayed there, you said, for 16 years. Now, nowhere in this story have you mentioned college or any of that. So talk about that experience. Yep, that was not my path. So as I mentioned earlier, um, I went to I went to my first year of college and um, realized quickly that that with it the school of pharmacy, pre-pharmacy was not the path for me. Um, During that year, my dad actually became very, very ill. And I was back and forth from the hospital. I was just honestly, Aries, I was so lost. Like things weren't going well. Things weren't going well with school. I was, it wasn't the right fit. Um, My dad, I wasn't sure what was going to happen with him. Um, They didn't expect him to live. He did, but it it was just an ongoing many years of him kind of just battling, battling for his life. I came back home and, and this was an environment where I love my hometown, but I could not wait to get away from it at that time of my life. And having to come back, I just, I think I just sort of spiraled because I had, you know, great grades. I was the last person that I think anyone would have predicted that I wouldn't finish college. Um, but I came home and just again, bit lost. And then whenever an opportunity came for me to move to Austin, I grabbed it because I just wanted to get out and see what I could figure out. And when I started working at Dell, honestly, I started making pretty darn good money. 
and I continued to promote and I continued to find success there to the point that I'm looking around at my friends who had gone to school and I was frankly in a better position because I didn't have school debt and I had work experience and I was, um, had a, you know, a, a good enough salary. And I kept thinking I would go back. And then it's, you know, there was a certain point because I was very ashamed of, it. I was hoping and praying that no one would really ask me about college. Of course they did. And I, I had a, a good answer of, you know, I attended here, um, and would kind of end the conversation, but it, it took me a few years of, of just working and continuing to see um, promotion and success that I finally was able to just look in the mirror and not feel like a failure or ashamed and just sort of embrace it as this is part of my story and I'm okay with it. I got some validation from a colleague that, um, hey, I, I did really good work. I saw a title come that I was, you know, had was shooting for that was a big deal in my eyes. And so I think seeing all of those things and then sort of finally believing that, okay, I'm good enough. I'm good enough. And I have, I'm, I'm okay to be here. And um, I'm not a fake. I didn't, you know, luck my way into it. And I started to actually go, maybe I I'm worth this. What is it called? There's something called like a, uh, it's like imitation, not imitation. I'm going to think of it, but it's kinda basically like the fake where, it till you, you make know, it. say it again. <laughs> I kind of like the fake it till you make it. Yeah. It's like a fake it till you make it, but there's something, it's a term that they've created for this thing where you, you're pretty much feeling like you don't belong somewhere, you know, and you're existing in this space and, but all the, you know, it's, it's a mental thing. So it's something where you're, <laughs> You're, you're thinking like, I really am not worthy, you know, of this. And I think that with your, you creating those, having those accomplishments, it kept kind of building your, your, uh, the value for yourself, right? You're saying, okay, right. if I can get to this, then, okay, I get, you know, it's helping me reach these different levels in my mind of where I, you know, that I should belong. I do belong here and I should be here. You're doing the work, you're getting the accolades, you're getting the, rewards for the things you're doing. So you really yep. have to convince yourself that you were worth yep. that. And th and honestly, that at my core, what's the biggest hurdle I have to overcome? It's constantly, I told, we talked about fear earlier. It's that and then truly feeling like I am valuable. I am worth it. And, um, you know, I'm constantly re I'm constantly kind of confronting that with everything I do. Do you and find just, it still happen? It's still there. That's oh yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Hundred percent. I'm I'm constantly fighting it, but I but I know, but I know that it's in my head, and I know that I'm my worst enemy, and that I just again, it's a matter of continuously learning to figure out how do you let that go and not let that stop you. That's the biggest thing. Like you said, get, going out and doing the dolphin swim. Right? You were terrified, but you were like, you know what? dang it, I'm doing it anyway. I'm out there. And so it's just, just continuing to just sort of chip away at those big, just those big boulders or things we put in our way and put on ourselves. I scare my dad so much. Every time I go out of town, he's like nervous. I mean, mm -hmm. he's like, you know, I'll post a video on Facebook or something of me parasailing or, you know, doing one of these things. And he's like, you had me over here nervous. You know, he gets nervous and scared of everything too. So I'm like, you're, you were projecting that on me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so now mm -hmm. I'm like, watch this video dad, you know, of us out here. And now I got his grandkids doing it. So he's extra nervous, <laughs> but you got to do it right. You got to conquer those fears. And really the self-talk is is key as far as I'm concerned. When I wake up in the morning, I actually, I listen to, I probably spend a good 45 minutes before I even get out of the bed, putting positive things in my head to get me going for the day. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I got podcasts, I have, you know, a, a devotional that I read. I have certain people that I like to listen to on YouTube or whatever. And just to give me that kind of pregame, you know, before the, the right. work day. And that's my way of just continuing to put positive into my mind because there's so much negative out there. There's so many reasons to, for you to doubt yourself. And uh, yes. you, you kind of have to take control of that that piece. Yes. 
like you, I'm a big podcast listener. Um, I have a long commute. I drive, it's easy hour plus, um, both ways. And so that's what I do. I listen to podcasts and it's the intention is I want to surround myself with, um, people that are doing things that I want to be able to do that are going to inspire me to be my best that, um, both, you know, whether it's physically and business spiritually. And so I just absorb all of that that I can. Yeah, I think same thing, you know, and it's easy because you can find people that you like and that are doing the things you want to want to accomplish and and almost have them right by your side because you're listening to them all day and getting all those good nuggets. And um, I love that. And when you told me your story about about college, I think that is what really, it just made me, I was like, I love her. <laughs> I'm like, I love Lisa Michelle. Cause I'm like, that was so vulnerable to even admit that to someone. And it's not even like, it's a thing where you're like, Oh, guess, you know, it was a big deal, but you know, people are always trying to be so fake, you know? And I'm like, right. this is a part of who you are. This is an authentic piece of who you are and your journey and your story, which honestly is like a super positive piece of the journey it's like listen you can be a lady that was working at jc Penney's or wherever selling makeup and, mm -hmm. and look at where i am now you know it it took some hard work it wasn't like you did college in your job you were doing it yes. through experience <laughs> instead of the, that's, what my, the that's what my mama would say you uh you you spent your time learning life exactly <laughs> like yeah, you went to the College of Hard Knocks. <laughs> College of Life. Yes, that was the one. Exactly. So, yeah. Okay, so then you went to, you did your time at Dell, and how did you, wh what was the next move for you? Well, we had, um, my husband had actually gotten a job transfer to, to, to Dallas, and so I was remote for a long time and um, had a global team with Dell. But I got to the point where I'd kind of done everything that I wanted to do. I loved, I loved working there. Um, but I'd done everything I wanted to do. And I was trying to figure out, all right, looks like we're going to stay in this area. Let's start. Let me figure out how to grow some roots here. And um, City had reached out to me about a position. <clears throat> and I uh, interviewed for a role to take a lot of what frankly, I had been doing with Dell and apply it. And so I joined there and, um, the job I hired on for, I would just say that while my boss was very ready for, you know, introducing some change and a new way of doing business, just generally the company wasn't in the same place. So, um, my, my job ended up being something quite a bit different than what I originally signed up for, but it actually was a great thing because I, learned a ton. Um, I was able to have much more broad responsibility with a larger organization that I'd had prior. It was, um, it allowed me to matrix to all the, all the different businesses, COOs. So I got to really learn a lot of the business very quickly in a way that most people would not have. And, um, I had some just amazing people learned a lot. And again, I talked earlier about being able to have an idea and drive change and do transformational change. And I was able to do that. My eight years, just under eight years at City, I was able to do that twice. And just some work I'm super proud of. Um, so that was a great experience for me as well. But again, I go back to when do you know it's, or, you know, you know, it's time for change when you feel like you just aren't growing at a pace that suits you. And so many people will stay because they're terrified of what they don't know or what they're giving up. And um, I just I just say the best moves I've made is being willing to go, you know what, let's go open that door and see what happens. And I've never regretted that. That's awesome. And I think that goes with the, you know, letting go of fear and taking risks you do have to take risks in order to, it's going to be the unknown, right? It's a risk when you don't know what's going to happen. You don't have a laid out plan laid out for you to know what's going to happen next and, and where you're going to, you don't know. You never know. You get an interview at a job and interview five times with a panel of 50 people and you still won't know what it's going to be like on day one until day one. So you kind of have to jump out there and, and take that that risk. Okay. So now you have moved into a new role. 
Tell yes, us about two months in. <laughs> where you are now. So now I'm with 7-Eleven. So, so Dell to Citibank to 7-Eleven. So lots of uh, varied industries. But back, even back to the point we were talking about earlier, know what you're good at, know what it, know what you bring to the table and know what you're looking for. And I think that, again, I'm not following the box, go write your rules and go look for those roles. So um, 7-Eleven was really looking at kind of rethinking customer experience, um, going through a lot of heavy growth and, um, learning how to operate really in just sort of a, a different model with a different customer. And so I took this role where I'm responsible for customer service as well as all of our customer feedback and insights. And so two months in and it's been great because I am I'm drinking from the water hose. I'm learning a lot, <laughs> but I also am bringing with me a lot of experience and skills and lessons learned that have been beneficial. So I'm excited to say that, you know, two months in, I'm just uh, kicking off next week, um, a pretty significant change that's going to save, save the company a lot of money while increasing our overall customer satisfaction and really rethinking servicing. And so I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not sort of, again, learned the lessons I've learned, be willing to walk in and say, um, I'm going to be really transparent about what, what I see and what I see the opportunities are. And fortunately I was given some room and runway to, um, implement it. So that's where I'm at right now. And I'm super excited about, um, how that's going to go over the next few months as that begins to stabilize. And then, um, I've got some other things I want to go tackle next. So we'll do that. I'll keep doing that. As long as, again, as long as I'm learning and growing and able to have some room to shred, spread my wings, um, then I will keep at it. So I'm glad to be here. I'm just looking forward to what's to come. And don't you feel it's super important to find a place that's a culture fit for you that, you know, you can find a company that's a big name that just mm -hmm. doesn't fit what you're trying to do with your career and it could be detrimental. So finding a place that fits, that's allowing you to help them and learn and all that at the same time, I think is super, super valuable. And I like, you know, I, what's appealing to me as well is I, I want to be able to feel like I can bring value to the culture and I can help move the culture forward um, as well. So finding, finding a company that has it so dialed in is probably less appealing to me. I see so many great things happening um, at, at 7-Eleven. I walk in and I see this incredibly diverse workforce. I see people having fun. It just cracks me up every day because I think about coming from City where the conversation sounded like, you know, credit card, um, mortgage, maybe identity theft, customer protection, you know, these kind of heavy words. And then I go to 7-Eleven and I'm in a meeting and we're talking about the Halloween themed Sour Patch Kids and um, Slurpees. <laughs> so it's just kind of funny. I just sit back and go, is this for real? Like, is this what I'm talking about every day? And it's just so awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. I always said that I was like, the places that get to have the perks, you know, it's I'm a little jealous sometimes with people who work at places where they get different perks of like the airline, uh, mm -hmm. you know, travel places, places with food, <laughs> all of those. I'm like, I might have to, one of my next career shifts may need to be somewhere with some kind of perks like that. Get those. I still didn't try that Captain Crunch Slurpee that they had the billboards <laughs> for. I'm like, man, I've been trying to find a place that has those, but yeah, 7-Eleven is a classic. It's a classic company. Yeah. Everyone knows, you know? Yeah. And then I love reading like the customer letters we will get. So, you know, reading their feedback and these people who are like kids that are just obsessed, adults that are obsessed. I was laughing last week. I was watching social media feed 
And there was this family that where they live, there's just really not 7-Elevens. But every year they take this road trip, like a family road trip. And they're like, we stop at six 7-Elevens. And they would take pictures at every single one and post it to social media. And you're just like, that's so cool. Or the family that their kids had a birthday and their cake was a Slurpee. And (laughs) just like, I love it. I love it. (laughs) So what would you say were some habits or, you know, keys? to your success today? Like what, if you can pull out a couple of things that you've done that were a part of your, you know, little toolbox to get you where you are now, what would you say some of those things were? Cause let's say you're talking to the, you know, the, the 20 year old you and you're able to give those tips. What would, what would that be? Yeah. And you bet. And I have hit on a couple of these kind of apps we've been talking, but you know, I said earlier, just, you've got to, I've just always been very comfortable saying, I do not know, but asking for help and guidance from somebody who does. And it's funny because I always find that when you ask for help, it's super interesting because you will rarely hear no. So think about even you, Aries, right? You reached out to me and said, hey, can we talk? And I would love, this resonated with me at this event. And I said, absolutely, I would love to. Like, I was so excited to be able to maybe help you in some way. So people will tell you yes, So if you know that you're more than likely to get a yes, what do you have to lose? So that would be one is just ask people to help you. And then I I would say that for me, failure is just really not even part of my vocabulary. You know, I hear this sort of saying all the time now that's like, fail, but fail fast. And I personally just kind of, I just kind of reject that personally, because um, I feel like failure happens when you stop. And as we've been talking about, like life is hard. Things do not go as planned. If you just will stop for a minute and acknowledge that, okay, this is floundering or it's not really going anywhere. You can either fix it. You can walk away. You can do something different. You can table it and think about it later. But as long as I just feel like as long as you keep moving forward, you aren't failing. You're continuing to learn and grow and do. And I call that progress. So not failure. It's progress. I'm going with that definition <laughs> uh, works for me <laughs> I'm like the day I'm stuck in the mud then y'all can tell me I failed but exactly. until then I'm doing something <laughs> exactly you got to be moving forward if you're not you're definitely standing still and not going anywhere so for for what you're doing now and what you see yourself doing in the future are there some new habits that you're finding that you you need to develop to kind of get to the next level or do you feel like you're you've kind of hit, hit your sweet spot now and you're headed toward that direction? Oh yeah, no, I've not hit my sweet spot. I am. Um, I would tell you that I am always wanting to grow and learn. So I would. It's a couple of things stand out. <clears throat> Number one is um, I find that the more I continue to expand my circle of the people that I know and associate with the more effective I am, whether that is, and I mean, Aries, you and I have talked a lot over our time knowing each other about diversity. Um, So let's talk about people from different backgrounds, different life stories, different experiences. The more I set back and quit judging and assuming I know or being afraid of, the more I sit down and have really open conversations, I come out so much better. So I'm very curious about learning from others and expanding that circle, because I believe it makes me a better leader. It makes me better in business. It makes me a better human being. So that's one that I just constantly am kind of cracking, trying to crack the code on. Also, just kind of back to just being a better leader. We talked about it a little bit. So how am I bringing out the best in the people? Am I helping them be better? Am I helping them learn and grow? So I use a lot of podcasts for that. That's probably one of my main sources of kind of staying up to, to speed. Um, I like podcasts, like probably my absolute favorite is um, Rich Roll. Love his podcast, Ultra Endurance Athlete. He has the most amazing speakers and he's such a great conversationalist that I just feel like I'm sitting in a room talking to friends. What's the um, name again? The other one, I, it's Rich Roll. Rich Roll. That's okay. his real name. And it's 
fabulous. Um, and then the other one is Jocko podcast and Jocko, um, is a former Navy SEAL, but he talks about leadership and it is a fantastic podcast. And Oh, by the way, you'll get a lot of like military history mixed into, and I find that all fascinating. Um, and then I'm writing it down um, so I can add it to mm -hmm. my podcast list. Yep. Add it to, add it to your list. I highly recommend there's like several others. Um, but those are probably the two at the top of my list in that regard. If I'm trying to learn about customer experience or process and the things that I do in my normal job, I probably find that I learn the best when I'm talking to other colleagues, the practitioners in that space and what are they doing that's helping them find success. So I stay connected to, um, uh, like Customer Experience Professional Association. I have a regular kind of monthly luncheon with some um, of women that are also doing this at local DFW businesses. And we get together and we talk shop, um, small group meetings. Those are some things where I find that I really learn a lot from my peers um, in that regard. <clears throat> And then um, from, uh, and then also I'd say just always LinkedIn. LinkedIn's probably my heaviest social media platform that I use as just a way to digest information, again, from people who are smarter than me and have um, experienced something that I can just really learn from. I need to get with you on that luncheon thing and, and some of those, because this is definitely the area that I'm, I'm trying to move into. Yeah. You bet. We're actually going later this month, so we can catch a lunch soon. And then um, I have a friend I would connect you with. It. She's doing that job for another company, and she's been in kind of my end of it for a long time, and now she's doing more consulting work, and she's fascinating, and you two would have lots to talk about. Love it. And then and then also just so I, so I talked a little bit about professionally and kind of leadership. And then I would say I also know that I have to be at my best personally. So I do a lot to take care of me and kind of push my own confidence. And so um, I just surround myself with a pretty cool support group. I do Camp Gladiator, which is a kind oh, of Camp Gladiator. I do Camp Gladiator. Love my tribe there. I with my church and being around people, again, who possess those qualities that help bring out your best fuels my tank, right? Yes. So those are just some things that I do personally. You got to be a whole person, right? You know, you need all those areas fulfilled in order to give your best in what you're doing every day. So I definitely am all for all of these things. And I, I, I'm making a little list over here, my, my cheat sheet. I think that's a perfect note for us to probably end on. But I want to thank you so much for, you know, being in the guest chair this week. How can people find more about you? Where can they find you if they want to follow your journey as you go along? Yep. So thanks for that. So two places, honestly, LinkedIn's probably the best place where I'm most active from just an overall career perspective. And then, and it's just Michelle Brigman. And then for Twitter, I'm at M underscore Brigman. Not as active on Twitter as I have been in the past, but those are those are really the best. All right, Michelle. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Aries, thank you so much for inviting me. And as always, I love connecting with you. And I'm so proud of the work you're doing. And I know that it's going to be a super bright future ahead. So I'm thankful to be along for the ride. Thank you for listening to the Scratching and Surviving podcast. I appreciate you guys so much. I've gotten such great feedback from people telling me that they enjoyed the podcast. It hit home for them. I got messages in my DMs from people. Thank you for hitting the DMs and letting me know. One thing that will really help me is if you would go to iTunes and leave a rating and or a review. I had a couple people do so last week and I just want to share a couple of their reviews that we received the interview enjoyed the podcast interview with the barbershop owner that's pretty cool honest transparent and has humor the instrumentals in the beginning were fitting and down and how down to earth your interviewees were looking forward to seeing and listening to more of what god does in your life through your podcast thank you kiara for that nikki simone real topics she said keeping it real real topics no fluff and everyday issues love the transparency i look forward to future topics and learning more so please go and leave a rating and or a review um also oh the the instrumentals that you guys are hearing were done by radio active beats radio active active with a k that is carlin the color that's my 
my my guy, that's my boy. He is killing it as far as a producer. Um, he's out in Atlanta, so check him out, and you can go purchase his beats online. Shameless plug for you, Carla. There you go. Um, also, please visit the website, scratchingandsurviving.com. There you can figure out any way possible to contact me. Our social media information is there, email, contact us page, all of that. Send me topics. Send me people who you think I should interview. This is a weekly podcast. I don't know enough people, you guys. So go ahead and submit some names. If it's you, give me a little information about what the story is so that we can figure out if it fits the format of the podcast. But I want to just keep giving you guys all the, you know, hand claps for everything that you've been doing to support me on the podcast, the people who have shared the podcast with their friends. So if you have not done so, please do that. Also, on the show, I, I couldn't remember the term imposter syndrome. That's what I was trying to think of. You'll remember as you, um, when I read what it is. It's a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Don't you hate when you remember something well after the fact? Well, I did that here. Well, I hope you guys have a blessed week. I hope you learned something from this podcast. Keep learning. Talk to experts. Uh, take care of yourself. These are just a couple things she mentioned. And don't stop, you guys. Keep going and have a blessed week. I'll see you on the next episode.